helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 Weekdays on Vision Christian Radio. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. The story. One day she was leaving work and I'm like, good night, Rosie. And she said, hey, I just want you to know I'm praying for you. And I said, wow. And she goes, I want you to know something else. I love you. And those words broke through the hardness of my heart like nothing else could. And I began to to weep. I cried and I hid my head under a counter because I didn't want her to see me crying. I didn't even know why I was crying, really. But something touched me so deeply and I thought, I don't know what she's got, but I have to have it. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, before we begin, I just want to let parents know that due to the subject being discussed today regarding sexuality and sexual identity, today's program is not recommended for young listeners. As we'll hear, Tom grew up in the United States and struggled with his identity and same-sex attraction. Meanwhile, Donna grew up in a highly dysfunctional home and also struggled with same-sex attraction. They've now been married for over 30 years and have four adult children, with one married and living here in Australia. We'll hear Tom and Donna Cole share their unique story today as they have a chat with Eric Scatterbo in our Melbourne studios. Tom and Donna, welcome to the program. Oh, thank you so for So good us. to be here. Glad to have you with us. And one of the reasons why you're even here in Australia is you're visiting your son who lives uh, on the east side of Melbourne. Yep. Yep. Yes. He actually was, uh, we were all missionaries and he was a missionary and met an Aussie girl. And they fell in love and were married, and they were missionaries in Amsterdam mm-hmm. for two years. And then they ended up moving back to her family here in Melbourne. So, And that's so wonderful because it's right here on the east side of Melbourne. Yeah, near the studio. So he brought you over here today. Yeah, we were only 10 minutes away. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. And I should say you're originally from where in the United States? Uh, Michigan, uh, Detroit area of Michigan. Mm-hmm. Uh, originally, both of us grew yes. up there. Both of us. Okay. Yeah. And now you're currently living in North Carolina? South Carolina. Greenville, South Carolina. I was close. <laughs> yep, you're close. We're neighbors. That's right. Yep. Okay. And as we heard in the introduction, both of you struggled with same-sex attraction in your teen years growing up. So we'll start with you, Tom. Please share with us what was your life like growing up? So um, I always say I, I grew up in a just a real typical all-American dysfunctional family. <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't it wasn't dramatic. You'll hear Donna's story very much more dramatic, violent hmm. home, you know, things like hmm. that. It wasn't like that. It was a quiet dysfunction. My father was an alcoholic, son of an alcoholic. So there were just, you know, things that you didn't talk about. Hmm. And you learn in alcoholic homes not to mention those kind of things. So it was just a very quiet dysfunction. I was the third son mm-hmm. and hope for daughter in a family of six. So my mom... Oh, re- oh, they wanted you to be a daughter. Oh, yeah. My mom told me growing up all the time, if I would have been a girl, my name would have been Debbie. So I I knew that from a very early age, and it didn't help that I had big brown eyes with rosy cheeks and mm-hmm. long eyelashes. You know, So my mom would say, You'd, you would have made a pretty girl... And actually, other women would say, neighbors, and, oh, he would make such a pretty girl. So uh, that doesn't solidify in a young boy growing up a, a strong masculine image. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I was very aware of that, that my mom was slightly disappointed that I wasn't a girl. She didn't have a name picked out for me. Um, and I was a very emotional little boy. So I cried all the time. And my dad's kind of a man's man. Mm-hmm. 
very stoic, didn't really show a lot of emotion. Um, he was a Korean War vet. His father was a World War I vet. So they were pretty stoic and unemotional. And uh, I was so emotional. I cried when I was happy. I cried when I was sad. <laughs> and uh, really Not commercials, did you? Yeah, all commercials. <laughs> I remember Born Free, the the movie. Oh, uh, yeah. Elsa yeah. the Lion. Yeah. And I was just a little boy, and I'm sitting there watching it, tears just pouring down my face and realizing nobody else in the room was crying. Uh, hmm. So, you know, you just feel kind of out of yeah. out of place. And I didn't fit in with the other boys. Um, they weren't crying at Born they Free. They weren't crying at Born Free, and uh, I was. I, I also remember I had uh, we went to a resale shop, and I was probably four years old, and um, I really wanted a doll. And I remember my dad getting very angry. He will not get a doll. You know, he was he was very you know certain of that, and I didn't get the doll. He wanted to give you a hammer, he yeah, <laughs> or a truck, or something like yeah, that. Yeah. But no, he 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 was very upset about that, and I remember that. And they, so it was a sense that I was a disappointment to mm. him. And what was your relationship like with your father in general? Uh, in general, there wasn't much of one. I, I feared him because he would get very frustrated. He was gone a lot. You know, he worked. And mm-hmm. then when he was home, he was very much not uh, emotionally connected. Like I don't – I have very strong memories of, of childhood. Mm-hmm. I, I remember my house when I was two years old. Um, so I have uh, clear memories and I don't remember hugging me, kissing me, mm-hmm. telling me he loved me. Um, mostly I remember he corrected us. It was kind of hmm. back then, wait till your father gets home. You know, the dad was the <laughs> yeah, disciplinarian. Yeah, yeah. So I viewed my father that way, that he was the disciplinarian. And your relationship with your mother? Um, she was very protective, overprotective with me, I would mm-hmm. say, uh, because I was very emotional and sensitive. Kind of the smothering mother, mm. you could kind of say. Um, she was very tender and i remember lots of love from her mm-hmm. uh nurture hugs and kisses those kind of things but it, there was that sense of overprotecting mm-hmm. okay and then when you entered your teen years when all the other boys were starting to get interested in girls yeah i found that i was not in fact i remember charlie's angels was a really big thing yep. in the us mm-hmm. back then years, yep. and farrah fawcett was mm-hmm. the yep. heartthrob of every little boy and i uh, we had a poster in our room. I shared a room with three other brothers and a poster of Farrah Fawcett. And I looked at it and goes, mm, that's not doing it for me. Mm. Uh, in fact, James Kahn was really big back then, too. And I found myself attracted to the posters of James Kahn. And I thought, oh, no, something's terribly wrong. Um, I, I, I attributed back then. I mean, I had been sexually abused at the age of four and mm. then again at the age of eight by uh, older boys. One was a an eighteen year old, and so that I believe that helped solidify the confusion in mm-hmm. my life. But as I entered into puberty, uh, I was very aware that I wasn't attracted to girls or women. I was attracted actually to men. It wasn't boys mm-hmm. my own age. It was more men in Hollywood and oh, okay. men out out and about. So uh, at the age of thirteen, I entered into a physical relationship with another boy in our neighborhood and we were active together for the next six years mm-hmm. so uh, it wasn't a romantic relationship by any means but um it was the 70s there were no gay clubs back then in high school uh, i said the only club was a baseball bat and <laughs> they would beat you with it if they found out mm-hmm. you know, that you were gay so everyone was closeted in high school so i i very much stayed hidden and mm-hmm. 
as invisible as possible so that I wouldn't get beat up or harassed. Then I went to college and at 19 met my first openly gay person in a vocal jazz singing group that I was in. And uh, he introduced me to the gay uh, life in Detroit, the gay community. And uh, I jumped in with both feet. I said, this is who I am. They told me I was born that way. It felt that way to mm. me because I felt different from as far back as I could think. Mm -hmm. um, and I jumped in and I didn't have any kind of moral principle to keep me from doing that. Um, I wasn't. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. uh, were you raised a certain way? No, no. My mom was Catholic, nominal Catholic, as many people in the North were at that mm -hmm. time. Um, but we really weren't raised in the church. My father was an atheist and very clear that he didn't mm. believe in God and uh, very humanistic in his mindset. And so I kind of adopted his mindset, and I I really felt like there really wasn't a God, that it was all kind of a cosmic accident. So mm. um, as I entered more into the gay world and the gay life, I was very uh, active in the gay community, uh, I began to feel very empty and it felt shallow to me. It, I thought this would finally fulfill that deep longing in my heart, and mm -hmm. it didn't. So here you thought, finally, I'm finding people who I can identify with. I'm yeah. home. Yeah. But yet, it didn't satisfy. No, it's, I still felt incredibly empty. And so I started looking into Buddhism and Hinduism and New Age thinking. I was doing transcendental meditation and astral projection, all this kind of New Agey mm. stuff. And I believe, really, I was in a seeking place. I mm -hmm. really was seeking for that something more. Mm -hmm. You know, the scripture says he's placed eternity in men's hearts. And mm -hmm. I believed I, I knew that there was something more and I was looking for it. So that's why I love all the new age hippie people, because I, I really do think many of them are seeking, seeking just as I was, yeah. you know. Yeah. And, um, but it didn't again satisfy mm -hmm. the deep longing of my heart. Um, at that time, I worked at a restaurant that, that was like a chain of restaurants. Mm -hmm. And uh, I ended up going to work at the one that nobody wanted to work at. And uh, there was a woman there named Rosie. She was a waitress. I was a cook. And uh, in that world, cooks hate waitresses. Waitresses is hate that right? cooks. Yeah, that's just the way oh, it I is. It's a, there's a kind of hmm. mutual animosity between oh, okay. the two. Um, but all the cooks like Rosie because she was the kindest sweetest lady mm. she was she was very wonderful um it was in a very predominantly italian catholic area mm -hmm. and so she was short and kind of olive complected so i just assumed she was a christian so i assumed she was italian and catholic turns out she was uh lebanese and pentecostal so i got You're just that. off a little bit there. off a little bit <laughs> uh and she would say strange things like praise the lord and um you had never heard i never heard that, that kind yeah. of stuff i didn't really as a as a, I was a waiter as well as a cook at this restaurant. And oh, I, wow. So did you not like yourself? Uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. But I did like Christians. I did not like them because oh, they right? were kind of demanding and left lousy tips with tracks that told you you were going to hell. Is that right? And yeah. So uh, I wasn't a fan, but there was something different about Rosie, and, and mm -hmm. it was that kindness. Looking back on it, I realized then I was a homosexual, uh, partying, vulgar mouth new agey, strange guy, mm -hmm. yet she never pointed out my sin. She always just loved on me. Mm -hmm. And I and, and I didn't realize that until much later, like maybe a year later after 
I ended up becoming a Christian, I realized she never once pointed out my sin. Hmm. She but just showed me love. And talked about Jesus. Yeah, she did. She shared Christ very much so. And so I was drawn to her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then one day, um, she was leaving work, and I'm like, good night, Rosie. And she said, hey, I just want you to know I'm praying for you. And I thought that was very odd since mm-hmm. she didn't really know me. And I said, you pray for me? And she said, I pray for you every night. My husband and I pray for you. And I said, wow. And she goes, I want you to know something else. I love you. And those words broke through the hardness of my mm-hmm. heart like nothing else could. And I began to to weep. I cried. And I hid my head under a counter because I didn't want her to see me crying. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know why I was crying, really. But something touched me so deeply. And I thought, I don't know what she's got, but I have to have it. You're listening to The Story. Today, Eric Scadaba was chatting with Tom and Donna Cole, who are sharing their life journeys. So far, we've been mostly hearing from Tom, who's been telling us about his background and his struggles with his identity and same-sex attraction. Next, we'll hear how Tom becomes a Christian, and then it's Donna's turn to share her background. All that and more when we return. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401-132-888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax, and this is The Story. We're continuing with Tom and Donna Cole sharing their unique story. As we heard before the break, Tom grew up struggling with his identity and same-sex attraction. One day, as a young adult, he met a kind lady at his work named Rosie, who he knew was a Christian and had made a big impression on him. Tom knew he wanted what she had. Now we'll hear what happened next in Tom's life. So I invited myself to church with her the following Sunday. What did she think when you said, yeah, I want to go to church? Oh, she said she was elated. She she, she couldn't believe I, that I was saying this. And she said, well, we'll pick you up. You know, they mm-hmm. weren't, she wasn't going to take any chance I didn't show up. <laughs> so her and her family picked me up in their station wagon and we went to church. And at the end of the service, they gave a, an invitation to, to accept Christ. And I went forward. And I, I remember that day like... Hmm like it was yesterday and the song that was playing and I wept and I cried and um, the words were I long to be the bride that you're returning for mm. dressed in garments white and wrinkle free and I just wept and I walked outside and the sky was bluer and the grass was greener and like I knew I was different Yeah, I knew I was changed Yeah, um, I would like to say that in that moment all my same sex attractions were gone but they were not and uh, didn't really know what to do with that. I remember reading the scriptures early on. I never heard a sermon that it was wrong at that point, but something deep down inside knew it, mm. that this was not what God intended for my life. Mm. Um, and I read 1 Corinthians chapter 6. It says, Know you not that such will not inherit the kingdom of heaven, no uh, drunkards, nor liars, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, and shall inherit the kingdom. I thought, man, I got four out of five. This mm. is not good news. But you got to keep reading. Mm-hmm. And I yep. kept reading, thank goodness. And it said, and such were some of you, mm. but you were washed and sanctified by the blood of his son. And I thought, okay, there were gay people in Corinth, and they changed. Mm. And something in my heart came alive and said, this is a possibility for me. And so that that 
started the journey of really just seeking God's will for my life and for my sexuality. And uh, actually, a, a big burly dude that I went to church with came up to me one day and put his arm around my shoulder and said, hey, how can I pray for you? And I'm like, you really want to know? And he's like, yeah, I, that's why I asked. And I said, well, I came out of homosexuality and I still struggle with those feelings. And he goes, well, I don't know anything about that, but I struggle with lust. It mm. can't be that different, can it? And I'm like, I don't know, I, I guess. <laughs> and he goes, all right, I'll pray for you. You pray for me. Wow, just really sincere. Yeah, very sincere. And he was, and he mm. really did pray for me, and I really did pray for him. And, and I thought, man, if this works with him, I'll just tell everybody. And I did. I started sharing with anybody who would listen mm. where I was struggling, if they asked for prayer, if uh, a prayer request for me. And I said, yeah, this is where I, I struggle. And I found my, my greatest healing was not in a program or a book, but it really was in relationship, mm. and especially relationship with other men. Yeah, and then uh, I went to a prayer meeting, mm -hmm. and at that prayer meeting, I met a young woman named Donna. Oh. Hello. Does that just happen to be Donna who's sitting over here? It just happens to be that <laughs> yes. very same woman. Yeah, a very different woman at that time, I would say. Okay. Yeah. Well, as we heard in the introduction, both of you struggled with same-sex attraction in your teen years, in your young adult years. So, Donna, let's hear your story. Well... One thing that we always say is that you do feel born that way. Um, a lot of people do. We did. So I always have such compassion for people that struggle in this area, especially when we have a culture that tells us all that is true and it feels so true. So for me, I was raised um, in a family of all girls. We didn't have any brothers. And my father was a real man's man, so he wanted Everything done at a certain time, he was very controlling, and he also uh, was very abusive to mm. my mom and to us. Mm. And so um, uh, we had a very orderly life. The house better be clean. My mom better have the dinner on at a certain time. And if those things weren't done, we knew dad was going to explode and never knew when he was going to. Mm. And so the first uh, pregnancy my mom had was my older sister, and then three years later, she was pregnant again. And that time it better be a boy because he so wanted a boy hmm. and never had one. So when I was born, somehow a child will pick up on those things. They, it might never have been said. Like it wasn't as boisterous as with Tom where mm -hmm. it's, where my parents said, Oh, you, you know, we wanted a boy. Your name would have been this. All I know is from very early on, I, w I wished my name was Charlie. I was more like the firstborn son of our family than ever a daughter. Um, I, went out and changed oil with my dad or when my sisters, there was another uh, daughter born after me. So they would get girl toys. I would get boy toys for Christmas or my birthday. And that didn't bother me because I love trucks. And I, yeah, I was going to say changing oil. How did you feel about it? Oh, didn't bother. I, I loved my dad. Mm. So I wanted to be near my dad. Mm. Um, my mom, we didn't, ha my mom was such a girly girl and I was nothing like that. She loved clothes and makeup and all okay, those. So, so you were more of a tomboy anyway. Absolutely. So it wasn't like you were being pushed into a, a square when you were a circle or something like that. No. Okay. And I believe God made me that way, but I also believe that little girl picked up that they wanted a boy. And I believe at a very early age, I push aside my femininity and a child will become what 
their parents want because they so long for love. The affirmation. Yes. And of course, at that young age, I didn't understand all that. But after I came to know the Lord, he started to heal some of the wounds in my heart. And as he started to heal those things, I started to put the puzzle pieces together on why at such an early age, I thought I was born attracted towards women. But really, it was a deep void in my heart and a longing for another woman's arms to embrace me, to love me. And we also learned that um, Tom took some counseling classes and that only 30% of women are thinkers and 70% are feelers and vice versa in the male world. So you're, if I'm understanding you right, you're more a cerebral. Yes. So you're more of a thinker and and not, uh, well, kind of like what Tom shared, where he's more of a feeler and crying at uh, yes. born free and uh, commercials. <laughs> yes. And so men in the men's world, 30% are feelers and 70% are thinkers. So you guys are just the, the flip of what is typical in society about 75% of the yes. time. Right. And I mean, and what that causes is, is you feel like you don't fit in and you honestly don't. Hmm. You really are different than yeah. the vast majority of the others. Yes, yeah, so it solidifies what you already are thinking about mm-hmm. yourself. That I'm really not a girl, I'm more like a boy, but that is absolutely not true. Mm-hmm. And just like we we always talk about that when we get married, we realized I am nothing like a man and he's nothing like a woman, even though I'm a thinker. Because so, there are a number of tomboys who get married and, and oh, have heterosexual relationships. Yes, but if you add in all the other things, I believe it solidifies this lie that I believed that I was more like a boy and mm-hmm. also that I was gay, homosexual. So then, um, so my mom divorced my father when I was eight years old, and she decided to live a life she never got to live because my mom was born in an abusive family. Mm. My grandfather was abusive to the kids and to my grandmother. Then my mom married into that same kind of thing because when you're really not healed, Mm. uh, what seems familiar to you is comfortable, even Mm. if you don't realize you're doing that. And so my mom married my dad at 18, right out of high school. He was a little older than her. And she also, you know, was in that abusive relationship. So then when they divorced, when they were married for 13 years, they were divorced. Then my mom decided she'd live a life she never got to live, and she just started going out, partying. Mm. Um, the three of us lived with my mom. Uh, the truth is we were afraid of our father, so uh, we lived with her. But right away, she got another man into our lives, and she didn't marry him right away. But if my dad was abusive, this man was 10 times more abusive than my father ever was. Oh, wow. And so the fear of men and the... The walls that I started to build around my heart became harder, even though, again, at the time, I didn't understand all that. And so my stepfather, um, in the end, murdered two people. So he's in prison for that. So he was that abusive. Then came the next stepfather, who... So he, the last one was around two or three years. All the stepfathers were around two or three years. My mom had a child with each of those stepfathers, but by the time that baby was birthed, they were moved on from our mm. lives. So the next stepfather was um, not abusive like the other two physically, but he did start to molest me and my sisters. Mm. So again, that is destroying who you are in your personhood oh, yeah. and in your identity. You're very confused. Yes. And so... um then he was around two or three years. Then he, he left. And then after that, my mom just never married again, just had men, you know, live with us. Mm. 
And so all this is shaping who I am and um, solidifying my brokenness. And then at age 18, I never dated male or female, but at age 18, I started working in this um, area and this man who was about 10 years older than me asked me out. And at this time, that was the first time I ever went one way or the other with someone. And uh, we were all just um, drinking and having good time. And I don't know what he put in my drink, but he put something in there. And the next morning I woke up and I was with him and I thought, what is going on? And then um, for about three months we dated and I realized, oh, I cannot receive from a man. That's when I really understood that I absolutely am born gay. And so... At the same time, I was hanging around um, all my coworkers. Many of them were gay, and I st- started just going that way. And my one best friend, I gave my heart to her and, you know, broke up with that man and told my mom that I'm born this way. There's nothing I can do about it. And I went headlong into a homosexual life for four years. Okay, we're going to stop it right there because, unfortunately, we've run out of time for this first part of our conversation. So, Tom and Donna, can we invite you to join us again next time to share more of your story? We'd be glad to. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that was part one of Eric Scadabo's conversation with Tom and Donna Cole. And as we've been hearing, Donna's painting a pretty bleak picture of what her home life was like growing up, filled with one dysfunctional stepdad after another. And for all the reasons mentioned, it is pretty understandable why she would be a little bit confused about her identity and struggling with same-sex attraction. Next time, we'll hear how Donna eventually becomes a Christian before meeting and marrying Tom. Now, I don't want to give too much away at this point, but if you'd like to learn more on your own about what Tom and Donna are doing now, their website is pureheart.rest. That's pureheart.rest. Finally, as a side note, I want to share this excellent bit of news with you about Donna's mother. As we heard, she went through a series of unhealthy relationships. However, she recently posted this about her daughter and son-in-law on Facebook. My beautiful daughter and her husband, Tom, are two very special anointed people. Their love for God is amazing. God tells them to go, and they go. I love them, and they are so beautiful to me. I am a blessed mother. Our God is good, and serving Him is a privilege. His love is unconditional. Thank you, my sweet Donna and Tom, for being faithful to what God has called you to do. That's right. Donna's mother has given her heart to the Lord, and she is now also serving God. We'll find out more of Tom and Donna's story next time. Until then, I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. I knew my life was not right. I stole, I drank, I swore, I did so many wrong things. I was a hard-hearted person. And so I came back, I knelt down, and I put my head down just so my mom wouldn't see these tears falling. And then God speaks to me, and he said, Donna, you looked everywhere else for love, but I loved you, and I died for your sins. Tom and Donna both struggled with their identity and same-sex attraction while growing up and into their young adult years. We'll continue to hear their story and find out how they're now both serving the Lord. That and more next time. The story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life. This program is a production of Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, see vision.org.au.